Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. And we're going to go ahead and just get right into it today, y'all. We are on the final part of the spring semester that we are calling Kings and Kingdoms. Can somebody say Kings and Kingdoms? And what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at the kingdom of God, which was the main message and teaching that Jesus proclaimed. And here's what's awesome. All the messages that have been preached and all the teachings, they are online on our app, on our YouTube channel, on our podcast. We're, in fact, about to reach 1,000 subscribers to you on YouTube, so make sure to follow us on there. And uh, it's a great way to get the word out as well. But in my opinion, y'all may be biased. I think this has probably been the most impactful and best teaching semester and series that we've done as a church. And I know that I've grown from it, and I pray that you've grown from it as well. But as we opened up and we got into the second part of the spring semester, we talked about this, the kingdom plan. Then we talked about the proclamation, the principles, the power, the promise. Last week we talked about people who, come on, who was here this past Sunday. And then now today what we're going to be talking about is this, the kingdom perspective. Can somebody say the kingdom perspective? So if you have your syllabus, your booklet, you can go ahead and pull it out. Or if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can scan the QR code on the screen. We have made an investment into our church family. What the syllabus and booklet is, it's a way for you to follow along week by week with the sermons and the teachings and what's taking place for you to take note. Uh, Because here at Riverside Church, we believe that note takers are history makers, amen? That a short pencil is better than a long mind many times. Or you can go back and listen to it as well. But here's what's amazing about this resource is that what's being taught in here was taught in our special needs ministry. It was taught in Riverside Kids. It's going to be taught in a deeper way this Wednesday, also in youth as well, in a way that they can all understand it. And there's also family weekly devotionals in there. So that way you as a family can gather around and grow together in your relationship with Christ. Come on, can we thank God for that? I wanted to go ahead and mention that because there's a lot of people that are new here. And we want to go ahead and let you know, hey, we have a desire to see people grow. This is a place where we don't just escape the world. We go out to, we prepare to go out into the world and make a difference for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and read this week's summary, talk about the kingdom perspective. It says this, a kingdom perspective is a perspective seen through the eyes of a child of God. It's viewing life from things above. Living with the kingdom perspective is keeping the kingdom in mind in all we do. It's greater than the kingdoms we create on this earth. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6:10, he said to pray for thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's remembering that we're part of building his kingdom. With that being said, if you don't mind, can you stand in honor and reading of God's word? It's our custom and culture to do so here at Riverside Church, if you're willing and able. And we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 16 through 18. Is anybody ready for the word today? Come on, anybody bring their physical Bible with you today? So let's go there to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. And once you're there, say, I'm there. If you need a second, say, hold up. You can also follow along on the screen as well. Let's go ahead and get right into it. These are the words of the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And I couldn't think of a more fitting scripture as we begin to talk about having a kingdom perspective. And it says this. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though... Our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Our light affliction, which is for but a moment, think about that, the thing we make a big deal about, 
the problems that we face, Scripture says from an eternal perspective, it's but for a moment. Is working for us, and this is the good news, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, the Apostle Paul in the scripture is challenging us to change our mindset and change our perspective and change the way that we see things. Because can I remind you today that the kingdom of God is real, that King Jesus is alive, that there is such thing as the kingdom of heaven. And it's more real and tangible and alive than anything we can possibly imagine here in the world. In fact, the scripture says that everything that is seen came from things that are not seen. That all things that are invisible came from, th all things that are visible came from things that are invisible. That all things that are the natural and physical came from a place that was supernatural and spiritual. In other words, the kingdom of God is real and God wants us to have a kingdom perspective. Is anybody ready to have a kingdom perspective today? Come on, let's go ahead and just open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing. We thank you, Lord, for revelation and understanding. Let us grow and develop and mature into everything that you've called us to be. Speak through your word, God. Thank you, Jesus, for today. In Jesus' name, come on, if you believe and receive that, can somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this place? On your way back to your seat, God bless you. Thank you for standing in honor of reading God's word. You may be seated. Who in here knows or who online knows that your perspective is such a powerful thing? Sometimes we don't think about it, but your perspective is a powerful thing. So much so that many, if not all the decisions that we will make in, lives, make in life, whether it is relational, financial, educational, or occupational, the decisions that we make many times will be based off of our perspective. And if you want to know what a perspective is, a perspective is simply this, how you view something. It speaks to your point of view. And not only can we have a physical perspective, but can I tell you, we can have a mental, a spiritual, and we can have an emotional perspective as well. And here's the thing that's unique for every one of us as human beings is this, that every one of us have a unique and limited perspective based off of our personal experiences, education, and exposure that we have went through in life. We see things from a different perspective many times, but can I tell you something? That God's perspective is on a whole nother level. God's perspective is on a whole nother playing field. Can I tell you real quick, for example, we as human beings, we have an earthly perspective, but God has an eternal perspective. We have a limited perspective, but God has a limitless perspective. We have a finite perspective, but God has an infinite perspective. We have a subjective perspective, but God has an objective perspective. We can only see the present, but think about this. God sees past, present, and future. See, that's why the scripture says, as high as the heavens is from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's why we raise our hands and worship God, because he is God, and we are not God. And he has a completely different perspective. And therein, I believe, lies the problem, y'all. 
that God has been dealing with since the creation of man and creation of humanity. And you know what it is? Our perspective. Our perspective. In fact, do you want to know what it was that the enemy came against and attacked Adam and Eve with whenever it came to them being in the Garden of Eden? He came against and attacked and challenged their perspective of themselves and, more importantly, their perspective of God. Because what happened? Read it in Genesis chapter 3. The enemy, the serpent, came to Eve and said this, did God really say you can't eat of every tree? Because we know they had one command, do not eat, right, of this. Be fruitful, multiply. Don't eat of the, of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And she said, did God really say you can't eat of that? She said, well, you know, yeah, he said we can't because the day that we eat of it, we're going to die. And that's when the enemy feeds her a lie. And he spoon feeds her a lie and he says this, you're not going to die. God just knows that when you eat of it, that you're going to become like him. But they were already like God. They were made in the image and likeness and character of God. What was he doing? He was coming against their perspective, their perspective of themselves and their perspective of God. And we know the story, right? They believed the lie of the enemy. They ate of the forbidden fruit. Sin entered the world. And can I tell you, we haven't seen the same since. We haven't since sin entered. We haven't had the, the right and proper perspective. And you know something that's interesting? You know the enemy? He's not as creative as you think he is. The enemy has been using the same tactic, the same tool, the same strategy that he used in the Garden of Eden and that he used in Jesus' day. He's using that same tactic today. What is it? Attacking our perspective. Why? Because he knows that whenever, whenever we begin to gain or get a glimpse of God's perspective, that everything else in our life will begin to change. He doesn't want you to have a kingdom perspective. I think of Jesus, right? Think about this. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the visible image of an invisible God, God incarnate, the Messiah, the Christ, when he came into the world, you need to understand this, he was in the world, but he was not of this world, yet he still had a kingdom perspective as king, and he desired for his disciples to see things the same way that he saw them as well. But even Jesus, can I tell you? Even Jesus was tempted. Even Jesus was tested. When did it happen? During the 40 days and 40 nights where he was praying and he was fasting, and the scripture says that the enemy came, and guess what? Tried to tempt him in three different ways. And you know where the enemy tried to attack him at? The enemy tried to attack the perspective of Christ. How do we know that? Because the first two temptations start off with this. The enemy says, oh, Jesus, if you truly are the son of God, then do this. If you truly are the son of God, then, then do that. The first one being, if you truly are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responds with the word of God the way it was intended to be used. Come on, when you don't know what to do, can I tell you what to do? Speak the word of God. It is a weapon. It is the sword of the spirit. And what did he say? He said this, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds and comes from the mouth of God. What was the next temptation? The enemy said this, took him to the temple, and he said, 
throw yourself off. If you truly are the son of God, the angels that have charge over you will keep you from falling, trying to come against the authority and power that Jesus had, trying to make Jesus prove himself. And he said, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Then he took him up on the mountaintop and he showed him all the kingdoms and riches and glory of the world. And he said, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. But Jesus didn't give in to any of those wrong perspectives because he had the right perspective of himself as king and he saw things through a kingdom lens as well. Oh, come on, somebody. That should encourage us today. But can I tell you something real quick? That we, on the other hand, in our perspective, we have a lot of work to do. When it comes to lining our perspective up with God's perspective, because you want to know why? Because many times our perspective, our vision, our judgment will become clouded and foggy because we give in to the same temptations that Jesus faced and that Adam and Eve faced in the Garden of Eden. Because you do know it was the same type of temptation. I don't know if you've ever seen this before, right? But in 1 John, check this out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, it says this. For all that is in the world. Get this, because this scripture gives these three temptations a name. In other words, all that's in the world, these are common to all of us as human beings. We will all face these temptations. You name the sin, they're connected to one of these temptations, which is this, the lust of the flesh. Somebody say the lust of the flesh. And lust means to want or to get. The next one is this, the lust of the eyes. Somebody say the lust of the eyes. And the pride of life, somebody say pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, just like the Apostle Paul wrote in the scripture we opened up with, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So get this, the lust of the flesh, what does that speak to? That speaks to the appetite and the cravings and the desires that our flesh, or in other words, our carnality, or, or sinful nature craves. The lust of the eyes speaks to what looks appealing and attractive to our eyes. And the pride of life speaks to our selfishness and our ego. And you know what's interesting? These three temptations are the same temptations that we see Jesus face. And even Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, it's the same temptations that we face as well. Check this out. I don't know if you've seen this before. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says it like this, starting with Adam and Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food. It looked appealing to her appetite, her craving, her hunger. What is that? Lust of the flesh. And that it was what? Pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the eyes. And a tree desirable to make one wise. Somebody say pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate it. We see this right here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Anybody tracking me? But you know what's interesting? Those same three temptations are what Jesus faced. Because remember the temptations Jesus faced? What was the first one? If you truly are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Because homeboy was hungry. Can you imagine 40 days and 40 nights? Some of you miss one meal and you say, I'm, you feel like you're starving. 40 days and 40 nights, hungry. Turn these stones into bread. What is that? Lust of the flesh. Oh, look at all the kingdoms. 
Look at all the riches. Look at all the glory. Look at this. You see all these beautiful? I can give it to you. Lust of the eyes. Oh, prove to me your authority and power that you have. Right? Throw yourself off and let your angels catch you and keep you up. The pride of life. The same three temptations that all of us will face and experience in life, the same temptations that Adam and Eve fell into in the Garden of Eden. Come on, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, overcame it all. He was without sin. And that should encourage us today. You know why? Because that means if Jesus overcame it, we can overcome it, and we can have the right perspective in life. Come on, is anybody in here thankful for our great high priest, King Jesus, who the scripture says is able to sympathize with all of our weaknesses, who was tempted in every way that we are, yet he is without sin. Can you imagine if Jesus would have given in to the temptation of the enemy? Can you imagine if Jesus would have believed the lie of the enemy and given into the wrong perspective of, of, of how what the enemy was trying to do? We wouldn't even be here today. But he was without sin. Purpose. So that means, get this, that means you can't say this, God, you don't understand me. You don't get me. You don't understand what I'm facing because Jesus can say, come on, I took on flesh and bone. I stepped into time. I was tempted in every way. I am your great high priest. I know I didn't come just to get you back. I came to get you and understand you. I know what you are experiencing in life. But can I tell you something today? That if the enemy tried it on Adam and Eve, and if he tried it on Jesus, who knows? He's going to try it on you. These temptations are common to all of us as human beings. And what I want to do today is that I want to talk about the kingdom perspective. But before we talk about more of the kingdom perspective, I want to talk about the wrong perspectives that keep us from having a kingdom perspective and how we can overcome them to be to have a kingdom perspective because can I tell you these three perspectives we're about to go over they all tie back into each one of these temptations and I want to work them in reverse and get this these three perspectives and temptations are the same things that kept people in Jesus's day from seeing Jesus as king and receiving his kingdom as well and if we're not careful we can fall into it as well and we can have the wrong perspective in life starting with the first one working in reverse is this if we're not careful, we can become blind by pride. Somebody say blind by pride. This is when we fall into the entrapment of the pride of life. It's when we begin to put ourselves and our opinions above God. It's when we begin to rely on our own strength and our wisdom more than we do God. It's when we become the center of the universe and it becomes more about ourselves than it is God and serving other people. And if there's one group of people I believe in Scripture, y'all, that I believe fit this description, I believe it would be the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, who get this, were the religious leaders in Jesus's day. And if anybody gave Jesus the most issues, can I tell you something? It was them. The Pharisees sat, what was their problem? The problem was this, that they had become so religious and self-righteous that, that they became blind to the king and the kingdom that he came to establish. 
Check this out. Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21 says this. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. Get this. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Oh, they're asking, Where's the, when's the kingdom coming? He said, you're looking at it. It's here. I'm the king. See, th- think about this. The king and the kingdom was standing right in front of them, yet they missed it. And can I tell you, them like the rest of the people in Israel, they were waiting for the Messiah to come and establish the kingdom. They were waiting. The Pharisees, their whole life, they were praying for, they were studying about, and they were preparing for his revival, but they had the wrong idea of the kingdom of God. Because you know what they did? They put their own man-made ideas and religious ideologies above what God's word said. And they became prideful and blind. For example, let me just break it down for you like this. Here's an example. You know the The prophet Isaiah wrote in scripture, he talked about the suffering servant that would come, speaking to the Messiah, the Christ, and he would come as a lowly servant. He would come meek, and he wouldn't look like nothing fancy, right, or something like that. They rarely, if not at all, talked about and taught on that in the synagogues because they couldn't wrap their religious mind about how the Christ and the Messiah would come in this way. They allowed their religious ideologies and political beliefs to shape and make them blind from the king whenever the king stood in front of them. And can I tell you something? That's exactly what religion will do many times. Religion will make you proud of yourself, but the gospel and a relationship will make you proud of Jesus Christ. Their pride had made them what? Blind. Get this, to the point, to the point, just for illustrative sake, This is the Pharisees right here. And you don't know, but this is some of us right now in this moment. To the point where the Pharisees, whenever Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, Yeshua HaMashiach, the visible image of an invisible God, the one who came and stepped into time, whenever the king was standing right in front of them, they missed it. Guess what? The same one that they had studied about, they, they, they read the scripture about, and that the law was pointing towards everything that they were studying in the Torah. The, the one, it was pointing to him. He didn't come to abolish the law, the scripture says. He came to fulfill it. He was the literal word of God made flesh, and he was standing right in front of them. But guess what? Their pride had made them blind, and they missed the king and the kingdom of God because of what? Pride. Oh, my glasses are foggy right now. Check this out. Matthew chapter 15, verse 12 and 14 says it like this. Get this. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And I love how Jesus replies right here. Look at this right here. So ignore them. Ignore them. Some of you got some haters. You just need to ignore them, okay? They get this. They are blind guides leading the blind. Speaking of the Pharisees, and if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Can I tell you something real quick? If any people group or if any person should have seen Jesus as king, 
and seen the kingdom? It was the Pharisees. Oh, man, they should have seen it. They literally have the word see in their name. Pharisee. But they, come on, that's a dad joke right here. I can go a little deeper if you want. See, because the Pharisee, they only thought about what was fair in their own eyes, and they chose to see all the problems of other people, not seeing the problem within themselves. And Jesus said that they were like the blind leading the blind. And can I tell you something real quick? If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same entrapment as well, where guess what? God is trying, and Jesus is trying to show us a better way. I'm trying not to fall off the stage. A better way, a better option, a better alternative, a better answer. Uh, uh, he's trying to instruct us. He tries to correct us. But what happens? Many times we become blind by our own pride, and we tell God, no, I got it all figured out. Look at me. Look, I'm, I don't do nothing wrong. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm perfect. You know what I mean? Me, me, oh, my goodness. Look at me. And we become blind. See, it's been said that pride is a lot like bad breath, right? Everybody will notice that you have it before you do. And can I tell you something? Unfortunately, this is how many people in the body of Christ go through life. And this is how many people in the world go through life blind by their own pride, hardened hearts, and stubbornness as well. And can I tell you something? If we're being honest, we've all been here before. I'll be the first one to raise my hand right now. I have been blind by pride before. And who knows, when you're blind by pride, you learn the hard way. Like, for example, right, if, have you ever walked into a dark room where you couldn't see nothing? Right? Or whatever. What happens? You begin to bump into things. You begin to like, I'm, oh gosh, I don't know. I really can't see nothing right now. Has anybody ever stubbed your toe on a corner of your like drawer? Come on, that's the worst. I swear there's a place in hell just for stubbing your toe over and over and over again. And did you know that Jesus, get this, Jesus, even at one point called himself the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected that the Pharisees stumbled over? They were blind by the price. See, that's why we got to remain humble so we don't stumble. We got to have a posture in our heart and in our life where we come to God every single day. Because this is what I like to start every day with. God, I don't know it all. I don't understand it all, and to be honest, I would be nothing if it wasn't for your grace and your mercy and goodness in my life. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he, what? he gives grace to the humble. We have to learn how to humble ourselves before God, or guess what? We're going to learn the hard way. Oh, some of us wonder why we feel like we hit rock bottom in life. Can I tell you what that's a time to do? Not to say, God, I got it, but to stretch your hands out to the king and say, God, I need you right now. God, I don't want to do this on my own strength. God, I don't got it all figured out. See, if anybody knew about this, it was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul who at one point called himself this, the Pharisees of Pharisees. So religious, thought he was doing the will of God and doing right, but he was actually going against the will of God. And what happened? Whenever he was on the road to Damascus to go and persecute and kill more Christians, what happened? Jesus appeared before him in a bright light, and he fell down. Whew. And when he fell down, 
Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And he had a decision. Think, and the scripture even says this. Guess what? For three days, he was blind. Three days, he was blind physically. But I believe that in his spirit, he began to see clearer than ever before. And imagine if he got up and said, you know what? I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Pride. No, he humbled himself before God, and God used him as the first missionary to establish and plant churches. He wrote nearly half the New Testament. Why? Because he humbled himself before the Lord. We have to learn how to humble ourselves before God. We cannot allow pride and religion to cause us to be blind where we miss out on what God has for us because we are so stuck up. Come on, if you think this word is for the person next to you, it may be for you. I don't know who this is for, and I'm being obedient to what God told me to preach, and it is time to take off the blinders. It is time to stop living through life, life through this thinking. You know, come on. We got to go into the next one. Second one I want to tell you real quick. If we're not careful, y'all, we can be downcast by distractions. So the first one spoke to this, right, the pride of life. This one right here, you know what this one ties into? This ties into the lust of the eyes. Because you know what downcast simply means? This is what downcast simply means, looking downward. And when we look through the lens of the lust of the eyes, guess what? We will only see things from a worldly perspective rather than from a heavenly perspective. Where we will look downward rather than upward. To be downcast by distractions means to be consumed and fixated and focused only on the cares, worries, pleasures, and materialistic things of this world. It's like whenever the enemy took Jesus, right, showed him all the kingdoms and all the riches, right, and he said, hey, I'll give these things, the lust of the eyes. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants you to get so caught up with this life that we forget about our eternal and true life that we have in him. And if I had to show you an example of what this looked like right here, I would show you this right I don't know if anybody's ever seen these before. Hello. These right here, you know what these are called? Lazy glasses. And I'm looking forward right now, but guess what? All I can see is all the slobber and spit on my microphone right here and my feet. I'm telling you, I just, it's, you what, what's the point of these glasses? You know what the point of these glasses are? Obviously, look downward. See, now I can see all right there. I see all y'all's faces. Can you see my eyes? They look tiny, I bet. But get this, the purpose of these glasses is if you don't feel like doing an ab crunch and picking your head off the pillow to watch the movie, you can lay straight back, baby. You can just like, and watch that movie. You can watch series, and guess what? You can literally just stay right this all day. You can be on the couch. It looks downward, and, it, and it's so easy. It's so, it's so easy to just lay back. And can I tell you something real quick in a similar way? It is so easy to go through life focused and fixated just on worldly things and worldly possession and worldly problems and other things and we become so fixated that we look through the low lens of the lust of the eyes and we miss out on what God wants to do. Downcast by distractions. I think of, you know what I think of? I think of, where's my other glasses because now it's really blurry right now. I think of the young rich ruler in Mark chapter 10. When you get a chance, read that scripture. The young rich ruler that came to Jesus, yes, there was some pride and stuff there, but when you read the scripture, you'll find out what it was, the turning point where 
he went his own way, right? Because the younger children, he came to Jesus and he asked him a question. What did he ask him? He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life, right? He asked them that question. And what's interesting to me is this, and Pastor CJ said this before, which I think is so on point. Isn't it interesting how this young, rich ruler, those three words, young, rich, the ruler, young, rich ruler, those are the three qualities and characteristics and attributes that everybody in the world strives to be like, right? I don't care how much makeup and stuff you put. We are getting older. People want to be young. That wasn't a jab at nobody. I'm looking right on the screen. I'm going to get in trouble. To be young, to be rich and wealthy, and to rule over people. And think about this. This man, young ritualer, had all those things, but he still had a part in his heart that said, you know what, there, there's, there's got to be more than this. And he said, oh, I, I heard the, that Jesus is here. And he goes to Jesus, guess what, thinking that by his own qualities and characteristics and things that he would be able to achieve eternal salvation. Not realizing the one that he was looking at was the way, the truth, and life. And here's something you may not know. Because, you know, back then during that time, it was commonly taught by religious leaders that the more wealthy and rich you are, the more favored and chosen and blessed and righteous you are in the eyes of God. So that's why whenever he walked away, Jesus said it's easier for a, a rich, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's why whenever he turned back to his disciples, you know what they asked? How can anyone get into the kingdom of heaven then, Jesus? And he said this, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And you know what Jesus was trying to do in that moment whenever he asked him? You, some of you know what he asked. We're about to read it. He was challenging his perspective and trying to get him to the end of himself. And it says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 21 through 22. Come on, is this making sense to anybody today? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I love that. It's like, oh, boy, here we go. Felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. Then you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went. He, his face, think about this, envision it. His face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. In other words, he allowed the things in his life to become more important to him than following after King Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus invited him to be a Just like he told Peter, right, come and follow me, right? He told the disciples, come and follow me. He invited him, right? Can you imagine? It, it could have been, I, mean, I don't know for sure. It could have been the 13 disciples. He invited him, Right? He could have been in Jesus' inner circle and, and with, with the disciples, be one of his followers. But he allowed worldly, his love for worldly possessions to rob him of that position. And what happened? He looked downward and walked away because he had many possessions, y'all. In other words, he was like this. All right, what, can I do? what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus trying to show. In fact, he didn't even see Jesus as he should have because he said, good teacher. And that's when Jesus responded by saying, why do you call me good? There is nobody good but God. Trying to point him to himself. But guess what? He was so focused on what he had and what he could achieve and comparing himself to other people 
that he was downcast by distractions and he missed out on the king and having a kingdom perspective. And can I tell you something today? I'm not saying that in order for you to have a kingdom perspective that you got to sell everything on Facebook or have a garage sale and go live as a monk in, Rivers, in the Riverside Park or nothing. I'm not saying that, okay? You can enjoy life, you know, go eat at a restaurant, you know, be whatever else. But what am I, what am I trying to say? That at the same time, though, we need to understand that if the enemy can't get us with destruction, you know what he'll try to get us with? Distractions. And possessions were never meant to possess you every single day. We must decide to make sure that God is number one, seated on the throne of our heart, and that nothing else, no money, no car, no home, cool, you got some nice things, that's great. Don't let them have you. Let Jesus be the center of everything. Don't have such a tight grip on everything where you think it all belongs to you. You aren't in ownership. You are in stewardship. And if God speaks to you and tells you to do so, let's not allow ourselves to be downcast by distractions. Because can I tell you something? And can I remind you today, everything in this world will pass away. But the king and kingdom of God will stand forever. See, that's why Jesus said, do not store for yourself up treasures here on earth where moth and rust can destroy them and where thieves can break in and steal, but rather store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy them and where thieves can't break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Life is too short to be downcast by the distractions and worries and cares of this world that we miss out on what God has for us. For us, why in the world, why in the world would you want to go through life, go through life like this when the scripture says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places in the spirit? Why do we want to just go off of what we can see? There is so much more to this life than just this life. Let me tell you something. The Bible says life is just a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone the next. And we cannot allow the first priority to become our popularity, the opinions of other people, our possessions, our problems that are out in the world. Question, what if you got everything that your eyes were lusting after? Think about the everything you can see. What if you got it all and you still felt empty and dead on the inside? Oh, some, some of us, we, we idolize people on Instagram and in movies, we think, oh, if I got that, I would, be, I would be good. But then you hear about them going into rehab, overdosing, having in their fifth marriage, taking their life. What am I trying to say? I'm the type of preacher, I want to tell somebody that you have a universe-sized hole in your soul. And the only person we believe that can fill that void and fill that need is Jesus Christ in your life. He wants to satisfy, you've been thirsty, you've been going, you've been, you've been running, but God wants, I think of the woman at the well, the woman at the well. Just imagine this, Jesus saying, he knew who he was, who she was. He said, you, 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 you've had five husbands, and the man that you're with isn't even your husband. She had been going, can you imagine how broken she was in her heart, trying to find, but it wasn't until the seventh man showed up. That said, I can complete you. Let me tell you something. Other people, they can't complete you. Only God can complete you. Only God can fulfill you. 
It is time to folk, come on, fix your eyes on him. Take your eyes off of just this life and lift your eye. Come on, I lift my eyes until the hills. I know where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, come on, somebody. Can we give God a praise in this place? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I just feel the presence of God. Right now, there's somebody right now that has greed in their heart. That you've, and you were blind in your sight, but God's breaking those things right now through the power of his word in Jesus' name. Last one is this, skewed by sin. If we're not careful, y'all. We will allow our perspective be, to be skewed by sin. You know what skewed means? Skewed means to twist, turn, or make distorted. And this ties into the lust of the flesh. You know what the flesh is? The flesh, simply put, is this, your sinful nature. You, weren't, you, don't have, you, you didn't have to be taught how to sin. We were born into sin. What's the child's first words many times? Me? I? I want that? Right? It's, it's in our nature. It's in our DNA. Sin, see, and if we're not careful, y'all, sin will twist and manipulate our perspective and life. And can I tell you something? That's exactly what the enemy has been doing since the beginning of time. You know what he's been trying to do? To try to twist and pervert and turn whatever God has created. God is the creator. The devil is not the creator. God is the creator. You know what the devil does? He is the perverter. He twists. How does he do it? Through sin. You know what perversion is? Perversion is simply the wrong version of something. And you can't expect to have a kingdom perspective if you are purposely and deliberately living and practicing sin in your life. You can't expect to have the kingdom perspective. Now, I'm not saying that any of us will ever be sinless. Please, we, we, none of us are perfect. Only God is perfect, thank God, right? Unintentionally, intentionally, we, will, we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are sinless, but can I tell you something? You can sin less. You can. It's possible, right? It's like, God, I did it today, right? I, I sinned five times less today than I did yesterday. Progress. Come on. Because can I tell you something? There's a difference, y'all, between falling into sin, getting up, saying, God, forgive me, and following after him. There's a difference. Versus practicing and living in that sin and going the direction without ever, t- see, that's why you have to value as a believer, as being a temple of the Holy Spirit, you must value the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, we, we sometimes, we, we, it's a good thing when you feel, begin to feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because that means that you still have sensitivity to the, you know when it's dangerous? When you begin to push off the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you grieve the Spirit of God and you become numb in areas that used to be sensitive in. And what happens? Your perspective begins to shift and change and you see things in a completely different way. And many of you, I don't have to tell you what that sin is. You know what it is. I'm not the sin police, okay? Let me tell you something real quick. We, we all fall short. We all sin. We all make mistakes. But can I tell you something? There's a difference. Between living and sin, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21 says it like this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, 
And you can read this in other translations, too, if you want to get a clear idea. Uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you, get this, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who what? Practice. It's not a game, y'all. Sin is not a game. You don't practice sin like you're trying to get ready for the finals or nothing like that. It's not a game. You mess with sin, you're going to get cut. You get whipped. You'll learn. Sin is pleasurable for a season, the scripture says. Oh, yeah, sin is pleasurable for a season, but that season will come to end. The wages of sin is death. Just because we accept Jesus doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. There's still consequences for a sinful lifestyle. And that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, don't expect to have a kingdom perspective if you're living in sin. And I was thinking about this earlier. Come on, I'm thinking if I go to a church that preaches the full gospel where we talk about all these different things because we love you. God loves you more importantly. I was thinking about this. I was like, God, how can we illustrate this point? And that's why I felt like the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart. I felt like he said, buy some drunk goggles. Okay, God. Come on, has anybody ever tried these before? I can't see your hand right now. It's just so, come on, in driver's ed, you tried to walk or something. My family was so worried for me during the last service. You know what the purpose of these, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? Drunk goggles, what they do is this. They begin to distort and twist and turn and skew your perspective to try to simulate what it likes to be underneath the influence of alcohol and to be drunk. And you know what happens whenever your perspective is twisted and skewed and perverted? You can't walk straight, right? It's hard. Like, you know what I mean? I'm going to take these off before I fall off the stage real quick. Literally, it's insane right here. It's so crazy. If you want to try it after service, let me know. We'll let you run around. Just kidding. No, we're not going to do that. Some of you want to try it. No. But can I tell you something? That's exactly what sin will do to your perspective. Sin will skew and pervert and twist and turn your perspective. And guess what? It will change the way that you walk, the way that you talk, the way that you act. You can't expect to go all in for God and live in sin at the same time, if you are, the scripture says, I'm, I'm so thankful. If you, if you find yourself in that, we are so glad you're here. We awesome. We all, this is not a judgmental sermon. We're thankful, right? He didn't, right? But can I tell you something real quick? The scripture says, if we are like that, we are like a double-minded man who is what? Unstable in all of his ways, right? And some people wonder why nobody comes to church whenever you invite them and why People don't follow you when you say, follow me as I follow Christ, because you're going through life like this, with drunk goggles on, one foot, hey, I'm going to, you know, here in church, I'm going to put on my best self, but then the other night, you're going crazy, drunk in the club, oh, come on, somebody, I don't know who this is for right now, and you're trying, I don't know, you're trying, but then people are looking at you like, why would I want to follow them? I don't want to look, if that's, let me tell you, there's going to be hypocrisy everywhere. Has hypocrisy ever kept you from going to the gym? 
don't allow hypocrisy to keep you from coming to church. Thank God we have people that stumble in here because we can tell them, hey, there's a better way. There's a better solution. Come on, don't be drunk off of wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, because whenever you're underneath the influence of sin, what happens? Things are hazy. Things are cloudy. Things are foggy. Things don't look right. I think of Judas, for example. Think about this for a second. Judas. Judas, he was one of the 12 followers and disciples of Jesus, right? And yet, get this, he was a liar. He was a thief. He was a manipulator. He was a betrayer, right? He was all those things, right? And guess what? Can you imagine seeing everything that Judas saw? Can you imagine seeing everything that Judas saw? Because he saw many of the same miracles. Lazarus being raised from the dead. The multiplying of the fishes and loaves to feed the thousands. Jesus walking on water. Jesus casting demons out of people. Healing the lame and the leper. Opening up blind eyes. Opening up deaf ears. Doing miraculous, amazing things. Teaching. Judas saw pretty much all of it. Three and a half years. But yet Jesus said at one point, that Judas didn't believe in him to be the son of God. In fact, not one time will you find Judas called Jesus Lord. You know what he calls him? Teacher. He calls him teacher. And he had opened, and guess what? The scripture even says that during the Last Supper, think about this. He was in close proximity with Jesus. At the Last Supper that Satan entered into the heart of Judas, and then shortly after, he betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, 30 pieces of silver. How could somebody be so close to Jesus, and I know I'm preaching good right now because everybody's quiet. This is when I know we're getting into something right now because the Holy Spirit's doing some things right now. Imagine being so close, but yet he missed it. You know what happened? You know how he was seeing things? He was seeing things being skewed by sin. Praxing, same thing. He had opened himself up to sin, which guess what? He opened up the door to the enemy. Who knows? If you leave your door, if you leave your door open in the middle of the night and a thief came, breaks in, that's not the thief's fault. More than it is your fault. And we think as Christians we can just leave doors and, and windows open to the enemy and think it won't affect us. And even, you know how messed up his, his vision was? At one point whenever the lady, right, the, the woman came with the oil and she poured it out on the feet of Jesus and began to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. You know what Judas said? Oh, we could have used this money to feed the poor. What a waste. But the scripture says he didn't care about that. He cared about taking it for himself because he was a thief. Someone, you, could, you can come to church, y'all, and have a perspective like this. You can call yourself a Christian and have a perspective like this. In life. So what's the solution? How do we come, how, how do we come against this? Because some of you, you're asking yourself, Caleb, I don't see things the way that I used to see them. I've opened myself up to sin. I, I do things in private. There are things that nobody else knows about. And I feel like my vision and my perspective has been so twisted. And what I, what I once saw as precious and godly, now I see things completely different. What do I do? I don't know what to do anymore. Let me tell you what to do. Don't complicate it. You know what you do? You take your sin and leave it at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I repent. God, I'm on. Is I, am I the only person that's been here before? 
and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Holy Spirit, begin to change my mind. And guess what? See, repentance is not this, I'm sorry. Woo, I'm sorry, Lord. Woo, that was close. No, that's not it. I'm going crazy up here. I'm sorry, guys. I got to calm down before I hurt myself. Some of y'all are freaking out. Almost ran into the wall. You know where repentance is? Oh, God. I know. I feel like, I feel like, but no, 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 no. Jesus, oh, goodness, without the glasses. Jesus even said himself, right, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. I'm not telling nobody to do that today. In other words, whatever you got to do, Tell on yourself, confess, confess your sins to one another so healing can be brought about. Set accountability in your life. Whatever you got to do. Let me tell you how much big of a deal sin was. It put Christ on the cross. You want to think about how, you want to think about how much sin costs? It put your Lord and Savior on the cross. We got to be willing to bring our sin. I think if Judas would have came back to Jesus, I think Jesus would have forgiven him. I can't say for sure. You know why I believe that? Because Jesus forgave Peter. You know what Peter did? The same one that said, Lord, I'm never going to leave you. Man, we're going to the end, Lord. This is how we're going to do it. I'm ride or die. Pressure came on. Fled. Saw Jesus being taken, right? Before he goes to the cross denies Christ three times, just like he said he wouldn't. The rooster crowed. He even cursed at one point. He made eye contact with Jesus. And guess what? The scripture says that Peter went away and wept bitterly. Judas even tried to bring the money back. Oh, here, take it. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. But he's like, no, it's too late, man. You know what Judas did? Judas isolated himself. Peter went back, I believe, to... He's with the fisherman, right? He's with his disciple. He found, see, and that's exactly what sin will do. See, you know what the enemy will try to do? I don't know who this is for right now. The enemy will try to use sin and your mistakes to try to keep you from community and make you feel isolated and alone and saying you're not worthy or good enough to even come to church. See, and he tries to condemn you. And what happened to Judas? Judas, so skewed by sin, he took his own life. Let me tell you something real quick. You can bring it to Jesus. You do not, let me tell you something. You do not clean yourself up and then go to God. Just like you don't clean yourself up before you take a bath, right? Or shower, whatever you want to call it. Right? We don't, that's backwards. We come to God because he's the only one that can clean us and make us whole. And we need to come to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I repent. God, I want to see things the way that you see them. And can I tell you? Just like you can be underneath the influence of sin, you can be underneath the influence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Where God will begin to lead you and direct you and guide you in life. Greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. It's time not to give in to all these perspectives. Who cares what culture in the world is doing? Come on, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going to give in to the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, blind by pride, downcast by distractions, or skewed by sin. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And can I tell you something today? You may be asking yourself, well, how do I have a kingdom perspective? This is what I felt like God wanted me to share with you. This scripture, come on, let's stand to our feet today. This is how we have a kingdom perspective. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Hallelujah. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, what? Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Isn't that, isn't that what we just did right there? Stripped it off, cut it off, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this? How do we go through life? How do we have a kingdom perspective? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So get this, the conclusion. The key to having a kingdom perspective is by keeping your eyes fixed on King Jesus. When you focus on him, when you fall in love with him, when you follow after him, let me tell you what will begin to happen. You'll begin to have the right perspective. See, see, it's hard for us to hear that, though, because you may be saying, well, I can't see him physically like I can see my neighbor. But Jesus even said, blessed are those who have not seen me but yet still believe in me. Can I tell you, even when you, Jesus said, oh, man, I'm telling you right now, there's power in this. He didn't leave you as an orphan. He's with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. Even when you can't trace him, guess what? You can still trust him. We are called to walk by faith, not by what? Sight. What did Peter do? Peter stepped outside the boat. At least he had the faith to step out of the boat. And when he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was walking on water. Walking on water. But when did he start sinking? Oh, man. Oh, man. And he began to sink. Can I tell you something? Don't complicate. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The enemy will try to do whatever he can to take your perspective here or take your perspective there. But if you have the right perspective of God, you'll have the right perspective of yourself, of your situation, of your family. Come on, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the finisher, the author of our faith. And as we keep our eyes on King Jesus with the eyes of our understanding, everything else will work out. All things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Come on, right now in this moment, if you need to surrender your life and surrender to your heart to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, right now in this moment, let me just go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, right now for what you're doing in this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, right now for moving, God. We thank you, Lord. We will not be blind by pride. We will not be downcast by distractions, God. We will not, God, we will not be skewed by sin. We set our eyes on you. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us for our wicked ways. We humble ourselves before you today. Have your way in our life. We love you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, can we sing it out of this place? Can we worship him? He deserves the praise. Come on. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.